Hello, a happy new year to you all, and welcome to Spotlight. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. This evening, we hear about the wonderful new guide to folklore sites on the Isle of Man. Enjoy another poem from the current Manx Youth Bard, and hear about a new drag brunch. Remember, do get in touch with any creative artistic endeavours you may be involved in, planning, hoping to create, or would really like to, for the first time in the new year, put in the spotlight poetic, theatrical, music, literary, ceramic, sculpted, in drag, on film, mime, social media, any of the others I've forgotten, no doubt. Just email spotlight at maxradio.com or howardcane at maxradio.com. I'll see them both. So I dare say it might have been a very popular Christmas present this year, I certainly gave a copy to a friend, but if you haven't seen it already, you might want to check out the wonderful new publication from Culture Vannon, a guide to the folklore sites of the Isle of Man. While the title itself is pretty self-explanatory, the book is both a wonderful practical guide with which to explore the island's hidden folklore secrets, an authoritative reference tome, and a great book to just dip into for new folklorish gems of which you've never heard. It's been a long time in the making, and I suggested to one of the authors, Culture Vannon's James Franklin, it was something of a magnum opus. <laughs> it's something which we've been working on for a very long time, for years and years, about five or six years now. And it's something which we're very, very proud of because we think it's something very special indeed. What is the aim of the book, would you say? Well, the, I'm only one of the authors, along with Sam Hudson and Katie Newton. And through them, I gained this concept of the landscape as something hidden with treasures and with objects and meanings and of stories. And we realised that this is not the way that everyone sees the Isle of Man around us. And so we thought that we should try and create this book which tells these stories. And these are not stories which we're making up. This is not a work of fiction. What we have done is read thousands and thousands of pages stretching back hundreds of years and made a big spreadsheet of all of these different stories of folklore, stories of fairies, giants, big ends, strange things encountered in the nighttime, etc. Ghosts, of course, lots of ghosts. And then we went around and located them to particular sites around the Isle of Man and then created this guide about how to get to these sites and the stories which are there. And so that's the basic concept of what it is. And what we've ended up with is this 300 and something page book of 400 sites and more all over the Isle of Man about these traditional stories of folklore. What do you think it is that, because we were just chatting beforehand, why is it you think that some sites or some stories, the Begain, the Fairy Bridge down at uh, Santon going off to Balasala there, um, the more they do, become almost iconic of the Isle of Man and yet here we are you know pages and pages and pages of lots of other equally fascinating quite often much more fascinating stories which are comparatively unknown. Um, I think it's to the credit of people like Sophia Morrison back in the past and her Manx fairy tales and if we were to if I were asked you know what are the key stories which most people in the Isle of Man would know I would say the Began of St Trinian's the more the Castle, perhaps the Witch Sluwalian, and maybe the Fairy Cup 
of Fairy Hill down outside Port Erin. And these are all fantastic stories in Manx Fairy Tales by Sophia Morrison. And this is just one book. But as I say, there's thousands of pages out there which address these sorts of subjects. And some of the best stories and experiences are not in that book. And so it's to Sophia Morrison's credit that we know these stories, but there's so many other stories which, in a sense, we should know. Because if you were to wind the clock back 200 years, um, we wouldn't know the stories of St John's out here looking at Slewallian out the window. We wouldn't know this story unless we were from St John's. If you were from Up Bride, you'd have a different story of a witch and a different began and a different Mortherdew. And I say this very seriously because there are stories of Mortherdew and of begans and of witches in every single parish around the Isle of Man. And I grew up in Glenmona and Mackled, and I knew the story of the began of St Trinian's, even though I had no idea where it was. And the same with Slewallian, I had no idea where Slewallian was, but I knew the story. But I had no idea about the witches which ga who gathered on the hill over my school, or the more the do which could be seen on the road just by where my sister lived. And these sorts of stories, or um, the great king of the hill just opposite me where I lived. And these sorts of stories were all around us, but I had no idea. But in the past, these would have been the stories which a kid growing up in Glenmona would have known. And so it's wonderful to have this book now, which returned these stories to to the landscape. And it's great fun with the book now when uh, I talk to people about it. I'll often ask, you know, where are you from? And they're like, oh, you know, I live this place or that place. And then I'll be like, oh, good, you've got a, um, you know, a white lady hanging out in your glen. Or you've got a began with no head which hangs out at the end of your road. And people are often like, what? Really? Give me the book. <laughs> and that's how it should be. This is how we should um, interact with our landscape because the Isle of Man is an amazing place full of these amazing stories and knowing something of them will add so much to our landscape and so much to our lives in this place where we live. And is that how you'd like to see the book being used rather than sort of as a, a reference term just sitting on the shelf, something that people take out and they, they use to explore the island? Absolutely. There are many ways of using this book. Um, it's the sort of thing which you could sit down and read. Um, but it is also something, well, if someone were to tell you there's a giant and there's a giant's grave just over the road from where we are. And this is what a giant would be like. And these are the sorts of things which giants do. Once you know that story and it's connected to that rock over the road, then this is a story which you will tell yourself and you will tell visitors and you will live your life slightly differently knowing that this rock is a giant's grave and um, that's one thing we hope for but also because of the directions we've given grid coordinates and clear directions of how to get to these sites um, people will hopefully use it in the way that we created it which is going out into the landscape having a nice walk but also having these amazing stories and uh, bringing the landscape to life so whether you're a folklore fan or whether you are a walker or whether you just want to have a good excuse to get the kids out of the house, this is very good for this, um, then hopefully the book will be for you. And doing all the research, because you say it's been five years in the making and you know it's very well referenced, very well researched, it's got all the map coordinates and the again the reference and source materials as well. You were saying you've done a lot of sort of door knocking, gone out speaking to people going to these places. 
sometimes, as you mentioned there, some people sort of say, oh, really? I, I don't know that. Or have there been instances of where you've spoken to people and they say, oh, yes, you know, I'm aware of that, or I've even experienced that or sort of seen this, whatever it might be, whether it's a Bagane, whether it's a dog, whether it's a fairy, whether it's a white lady or something, they've actually had experience of this? Yes. I think it's a wonderful privilege that me, Katie and Sam have had to go out into the landscape and talk to these people. Because, of course, these stories are not our stories. They are stories which were experienced and told by Manx people for hundreds of years and more for some of them. And they're also stories which are still being experienced or stories or experiences which people are still having. And it's wonderful privilege to meet these people and to share these stories with them, return these stories into these spaces, but also to receive their own experiences. And it's a lovely thing to be able to go to a place and to say, oh, you know, I'd like to go and see your Glen. And they'd say, oh, you know, why are you looking at the Glen? And I'd be like, oh, well, because there's a white lady who's said to be seen there. To which they say, how do you know about the white lady? To which I say, how do you know? And it's, and it's wonderful that we've read something in a book from 100 years ago and they have not, but they are seeing this thing still. And it's something which they perhaps are hiding because they're a bit embarrassed about seeing a ghost. But then when someone comes along and says, well, it's in a book, they suddenly say, oh, oh, well, that's oh. OK. I see her and she's there. Well, there's another lovely site from um, Scarlet, just near Castletown, where someone who lives across... Um, spoke to us about something which their mother knew when she grew up as a child in Castletown. She would go to the heart-shaped pool and see the green lady, this kind of ghostly figure, who would appear near them and just be like this warm sort of guarding spirit by the heart-shaped pool. And this man had no idea about Scarlet because he didn't live here, and yet he gave us this story, and we were like, oh, well, this be interesting. It's unlikely we'll find heart-shaped pool because he had no idea it was just heart-shaped pool scarlet and yet we walk around the headland there and there it is just on the rocks this pool unmistakably heart-shaped and it's amazing that this feature in the landscape is still there and this man had no idea that it was real in a sense it was his mother told it in a real way but there it was and this is uh, a wonderful example i think of how these stories are not just silly stories in old books, these are stories which are living and they live in the landscape and they live with people. And it's very much a joy to be able to um, revel in that, celebrate this and to pass it back into the landscape through the readers of this book. The amazing thing is, I mean, this book's just fresh out, just hitting the shelves now, 370 plus pages, I think it is. It certainly appears a definitive volume and yet apparently... There's more, quite a lot more stories which aren't documented even in here. Yeah, um, we made it, the way we did it was this large spreadsheet and this book of like, of about 400 sites has about a thousand sources or references. That's how these 400 sites are compiled. And we already have a spreadsheet of about 2,000 other sites, which um, my colleagues Sam and Katie are working at locating these more difficult ones, working away. Um, in the Manx Museum and other places looking to pinpoint them. But also, there are so many other things to be found and, of course, so many stories to be added to by the community, by these sorts of 
And I am sure that when people read this, people will tell us, oh, that's not right. This is not what my mother says. <laughs> this is what the story should be. And that's the bit which really excites us because folklore is not uh, top-down authoritative. This is something which is very much in the community and we want to hear those stories. And if this is an opportunity to kind of stir up these conversations and stir up these conversations, and that's wonderful. And that's the fascinating thing, isn't it? Because you say it's living, and yet, I suppose here we are at Culture Van, and do you think there is that, that sort of need even now for folklore to sort of help identify your cultural identity, I guess? Well, certainly the stories we tell are a part of who we are. We can, whether we admit it or not, our own personal stories which we tell is a part of who we are. We can think of our family members who've perhaps passed away already and the stories they tell were distinctive of who they are. And as a people, as the Manx, certainly our stories are distinctive. And if you look through this book, you'll be intrigued and interested to see the, the oddness of some of these stories. And some of these stories are older or perhaps tell of different influences coming in as to what stories we, the Manx, are telling. And they are, in understanding these stories, I think it's a, a privilege to be able to understand what the Manx stories are. And comprehending them in the landscape is certainly a help for me in comprehending who I am as a Manx person. And there's, it's hard to express this one, but it's a bit like um, a friend once said that uh, identity is a bit like giving someone roots and giving them wings. It's roots to know where you're coming from and wings to have the confidence to go out and do your own thing. And it's stories like this which are roots into the Isle of Man and into our sense of who we are. And it gives meaning to the landscape and I think to the lives we live in the Isle of Man. Totally. And scope for volume two by the looks of it. Yeah, here's <laughs> to that one. <laughs> Available from straight from Culturevanen or all good bookshops, as they say? It's available from all good bookshops all over the Isle of Man. And um, if they don't have it, ask them why not. I just love the fact there's already enough material for volume two, despite the fact the ink is barely dried on volume one. Well worth seeking out, even if you only have a passing interest in the island's folklore. And it could be useful if you want to stay on the right side of the little people. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. A bit of poetry. We spoke to the island's current youth bard, Hadassah Smith, just before Christmas to catch up. While she was here, she recorded a couple of poems for us. We heard one then. Here's one for the new year, and very appropriate, given the weather of late. Winds of the Earth. It whispers and screams. They tell tales from beginning to end. They are the winds of the earth as one they can destroy or create. But they are angry now, because no one listens anymore. The world is corrupt, the winds are fading. If we just listen for one second, you can see the memories of the wind. But most of all, how precious and ancient they are. Listen, hear, see. They too have wounds of their own, but share stories of greater good. They are the winds of the earth, powerful and mighty. One blow, and you're done. One blow, and the world is doomed. They are no ordinary wind. They are the winds of the earth. 
lovely. Just give us a little bit of the background on that one. When did you write that one? I wrote this one in the Poetry Trail 2022. So this is qu- quite, um, this is one of the original uh-huh. poems, to be honest, yeah. Right. And there was the, I mean, the you get the sort of imagery and, and the, the general thought of it there, but what sort of first inspired it when you first started that one, would you say? Ooh, I suppose, like... Like, the other man is a very, very windy place. <laughs> <laughs> You're right there. <laughs> so, um, the, there was this one day where, like, the wind was absolutely hectic. Like, I was being blown about from left to right. Yeah, honestly, it, it, was, <laughs> it was annoying. Yeah, so I was just like, hey, the, the winds are kind of angry. Um, what happened? <laughs> what, what happened to me? Why is the weather like this? Like that. <laughs> Why is the wind like that? Good question. Finally, for this first programme of the new year, you may, or may not, be aware of the island's pretty vibrant drag scene, and you may think of it as being mostly associated with late nights and latish evenings, and you'd probably be right in that assumption, but no more, as this Saturday sees the Isle of Man's first drag brunch. Ashton Gibson, a.k.a. Nona Binary, dropped by to tell me more. This is actually the first one that we've ever done on the Isle of Man, so we're really excited to bring something that has proved so popular across to bring it to the Isle of Man. So it's going to be good. So give us an idea of what the sort of the format is. I mean, is it as it sounds? Is it a brunch in drag? It absolutely is that. I think a lot of people were very surprised when I was explaining it to them because it's just so unlike anything that we've done here before. But it very much is that you're going to come to Kiki's and have some gorgeous food and some drinks while we put on a pretty excellent two-hour drag show for you as well. Marvellous. So Kiki's, just remind me of where Kiki's is, that's in Douglas? It is, yes. It, it's on the quay and it's in the place where uh, Da Vinci's used to be. So it's on the quay, quay, if you will. The quay, <laughs> yeah. the quay, quay, I'm liking it. Okay, and people, is it going to be open to all? It's 18 plus only, strictly. So <laughs> not for children this time. But in the future, we would love to do some sort of all-ages event. Definitely. And you, you were saying it's the first on the island. Is this sort of format something which is sort of run in the UK and other parts? Oh, yeah. I would honestly mm-hmm. go as far as say it's pretty worldwide. Um, I've been to a couple myself in England when I visited, and they are always just such a great time. It's always very joyous. And it's very it's a unique experience to do what we usually do at night during the day. I think drag queens are often quite nighttime creatures, so it's fun to bring it into the day. Well, I was thinking exactly that. I suppose you, you do think drag and you think burlesque and you think cabaret and that always you make think of, of a sort of a club fairly late on at night normally. Yeah. This idea of transporting it to the middle of the day sort of... <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems a bit wacky, but... Uh... It really is, and it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be the earliest, I think, that most of us have ever gotten to drag for the day. <laughs> Who's going to be performing in the in the first one? The whole thing is hosted by Fenella Beach. It's kind of her event, and she's being supported by me, Nona Binary, and the wonderful and very famous Vida La Fierce as well. Of course, of course. Wonderful. And sort of numbers-wise, I mean, is there a sort of a limit on numbers you can get in, do you think? Yeah, there is a 50-ticket limit, yeah. and we're already selling very well, so if you would like to come join us, you should definitely get on it and get a ticket. You can get them from the Kiki's social media pages, Fenella's social media pages and mine too. And time-wise, it's it's brunch, obviously, so it's going to be sort of midday-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doors are at one, and then we're going to have like an hour of like milling around and like eating and like whatever. And then at two o'clock till four is when the drag show is going to be with a break in the middle. Okay, and the bar will be open, I assume. It really will, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and tickets are £15 with a welcome drink on arrival. 
So even if you buy a ticket and you don't want to spend more money when you get there, you'll have a drink waiting for you. And they are £25, including brunch. And the idea, if this goes well, and obviously this is a new venture, is the idea then to try and make this a regular thing? Ooh, I honestly, it wouldn't be up to me, but we always hope to have more queer events. And Jamie, who owns Kiki's, is incredible and incredibly supportive. And Fenella is, you know, a powerful woman. So I think that more will be to come in the future, I hope. But it's not up to me. Just tell us a little bit more about the drag scene, because we haven't spoken about it for a while, I think, since the last time we were speaking mm. to Fenella. But is it still burgeoning on the island, would you say? Absolutely, yeah. I actually think that we just keep getting bigger, and I think that the support network is getting bigger too, so more people come out to see the shows, which is so wonderful, because all we really want is to create a safe, queer space of like joy and entertainment. And I think, yeah, it's just getting bigger and better. Uh, four of us performed for a Drag Race winner at the Villa last month, so that was like a big deal to have like another famous drag queen coming to the Isle of Man and that event sold really well. So yeah, it's it's going really good. And a mixture of a mixture of queens and kings and you get a sort of mixture yes, of both, Yes. Yeah. In our show it it was only queens, same for brunch, but there are drag kings on the island who definitely will receive booking opportunities in the future that we're excited to see more of for sure and is there still because i know you know what i've never actually been but i always used to hear that there was a regular uh, set down at the saddle on the key does that still go on yes absolutely that's vida's event and that's rainbow night and actually it's also on saturday night so vida's got a very busy day because she's doing brunch during that's the full, day that's a full-on day <laughs> and then rainbow night in the evening so i think that usually starts at around seven eight ish so if you'd like to come to that one too you absolutely you absolutely should and we were saying just before we started uh, doing this interview saying you know what you said i think everyone should try doing drag once in their lives just to see i absolutely do think that i think a lot of people see it as like something almost unattainable and it's just a great way to express any kinds of joy and freedom but especially queer and trans joy and freedom doing something without any thought of what people think about it and just having fun and what does it bring to your life, do you think? A lot. <laughs> I feel incredibly grateful to have started doing drag, especially on the Isle of Man, because I was able to make a name for myself quite quickly. And all of my friends and the people I love are through drag. It's, yeah, it's my favourite thing about my life, really, is that I do drag here. And interestingly, you just said, because I assume that most drag characters when you were when you were in drag there would be a good chunk of yourself but you were saying in, in, in your own character when you're in your drag you don't really think that's so much of you actually in when you're in your drag persona yeah I think that um it just it gives me an opportunity to do things that I wouldn't do out of drag and wear clothes I wouldn't wear out of drag and just and also have that level of unshakable confidence that only a drag queen can have I don't think that that's something that always carries away into my personal life and that just adds to the power and the magic of it but it can just hit you so hard you know the second you put that wig on i'm telling you you'll be feeling your fantasy <laughs> empowered yes definitely empowered for sure listen it sounds a wonderful uh, idea um i do hope it goes well and uh, either yourself or one of the other queens can come back and tell us how it went and uh, if there's going to be future drag brunches to look forward to yes please that would be wonderful and just one more time mm. brunch is on saturday the 6th this saturday at kiki's Doors are at one and tickets are £15 or £25 with food. And you can get them on the Kiki's website, Fenella Beach's Instagram, Nona Binary's Instagram, that's me, or Vida's as well, Vida LaFierce. 
one of the portions of our drag brunch as well is actually going to be a slightly late Christmas themed as well. So if you're not ready to say goodbye to the festive season yet, neither are we. So come down and celebrate with us. We'll open some presents and it'll be wonderful. A bit different? Certainly. But we like different on this show. Great stuff. I hope it goes well. That's about it this week. Don't forget, if you want to hear anything again, go to maxradio.com, download the Spotlight podcast, listen where and when you want. Why not try it whilst on the treadmill, trying to manage at least a week of of your New Year's resolution to do more exercise. See you next week. Until then, look after yourselves and whatever you're doing. Be creative about it. Cheerio. Cheerio.